0: Um, can you just put your hands together for Jen Trump I'm just going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you from over here <laughs> I'm off. Oh. Father thank you so much for Jen Lord thank you for what you've put in her heart just I uh, thank you for um, just the bread that you've given her to give us that's going to feed her, us and nourish us and Holy Spirit I pray just for an anointing to speak and that she would have so much fun as she shares your word with us just bless her as she does it in Jesus name Amen Amen thanks Lisa hey everyone it's really good to be here I'm echoing a little bit I can hear that oh. wow Um, I love the way the service has flowed this morning because it's touching on everything that I'm going to be talking about today and that's the, um, the power of confessing God's truth over your life. And it's not just a theory that I'm telling you, something that I've sort of picked up and thought, oh, that sounds good, I'll preach about that. It's been my life, especially in the last 10, 15 years. Um, it's my story and no one can take that away from me. I've seen it, I've um, felt it, I've known the truth of it and so I want to share that with you today, what's happened in my life. But firstly, before I do that, I just want to um, recap a little bit about what I spoke about last time because I think it it will help set us up for what, what I'm going to talk about. And I don't know if you remember, if you heard my message or if you listened to it on YouTube, Um, but I spoke about renewing your mind and submitting every thought to righteousness and letting the new self dominate, the new person that we are in Jesus. And I shared some of the lies that I believed and that caused me to not trust the nature of God and for a long time caused me to feel like a fake Christian. And I was living with lies and confusions around the sovereignty of God, his true nature, the understanding of law and grace and the new covenant. And my version of God, I realise now, was actually different to others. I saw people have an intimate relationship with God and I thought, well, God must really love you because you have this intimacy with him that I don't have. And maybe he just doesn't love me as much. I believed in him. I knew he was there. But my version of God was different. Um, And then I talked about how God created us with the capacity to change and control the landscape of our brains and to have a healthy internal ecosystem by taking all negative or toxic thoughts captive and replacing them with the truth of God's word. And that was the journey that I was on when I preached that message, well, the journey, sorry, that I told you about. And I just want to remind you that, that we can change the landscape of our brain. Um, when information comes into your brain, synapses happens, neurons fire and wire together, and proteins group together and you grow little branches called dendrites. And scientific photographs have shown that negative or toxic thoughts look like black, gnarly trees. And healthy thoughts look like flourishing trees. And it's what Bron, the scripture that she used this morning when she prayed, and I love that picture of a flourishing tree in Psalm 1. Blessed is a person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, David wrote this, and he only had five books, the Torah, but we have the whole canon of Scripture now, so we can say that our delight is in the word of the Lord, and on his word he meditates day and night, and he will be like a flourishing tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does he prospers." And I also want you to remember that thoughts generate emotions. And when you think or feel, emotions follow that. So the chemicals released around the thought carry emotion which are attached to experiences and memories. So remember that emotions are not directives. They're options. We don't have to obey them. Everything we feel doesn't belong to us. So we're new creation, so we can choose not to obey the emotions attached to the old self. And I want to give you a bit of Marriage 101 here. Um, just a little story, it sounds like John's a villain in the beginning, but he's not, he's actually the hero. We were out for dinner, and I was talking to someone and I was very excited. I actually was talking about end times, and I was excited about the victorious eschatology that I've come to realise. And I talk, 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 talk. Anyway, we are eating Thai at the time, Thai food. And my plate was still rather full and I looked over at John and his plate was empty. And I said to him, oh, wow, you've, you've already finished. Now, John said this and he, I'll redeem him in a moment. But he said to me, oh, well, yeah, that's because you've done all the talking. And my face dropped and I was triggered. Now, you know when something triggers you? So my, the trigger on the gun was set. I was triggered. And... His parents then actually walked out the room for one reason or another, not because he said that, but they were going to get something. And um, as soon as they walked out, John said to me, oh, I don't know why I said that. That's not who I am anymore. I'm sorry I said that. I'm not that person anymore. And isn't that a wonderful thing? This is what we all need to realize, that a lot of our reactions, a lot of our triggers or things that that our partners or people or family do that annoy us actually come from things that are in our old self. And God wants to redeem that. That's not who we are anymore. He wants us to respond out of our new self. And I'm just so proud of John that he had the fortitude and the knowledge to be able to say that. Because I was ready, when we got back in the car, I would have gone, and why did you say that to me? Because I was triggered, and so he dealt with the trigger before I did. So very well done, John. <laughs> so science proves that we can change our thinking. And I re- the reason I say all this is, to, again, to remind us that neg- negative thinking and mindsets will create obstacles in our relationships with God and the flow of the ab- abundant life that we have in him if we don't transform and renew our minds. You know, I've come to realize that God's ultimate goal is not to fix us. His ultimate goal is to have intimate relationship with us so that then he can call us up into the righteousness that he has for us. And then when we're called up into his righteousness, old sin habits and old triggers and everything from the past fall away without us even trying because we just want to please and glorify God. And that leads me to what I want to share with you today the power of confession, confessing God's truth over your life. I was in a shopping centre last week and um, I came across someone that I knew and they were complaining about a condition, a physical condition that they had. And, um, and her, the words that came out of her mouth were, um, I don't know what's going on, I don't know what God's doing. And my response was, well, he's not doing that. And <laughs> I mean, I had empathy for her, but but he... Yeah. <laughs> God wants us to partner with Him as surrendered believers and enforce and decree His truths and harness what comes out of our mouth, making sure that what we're what we're proclaiming is what God is saying and not what the enemy is saying. See, we might recall biblical truths and we might know things in our head. But we need to meditate on them and confess them to the degree that they change our attitudes, our disposition, the way we look at things. Ephesians 4, 24 says that in reference to your former way of life, you are to rid yourselves of the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you are to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth, that's the new self.: Come on. So this is speaking of our attitudes. Paul was saying that we have to not only reprogram our minds with God's truth, but also allow these truths to transform our attitudes, our outlooks and our perspective. We have to start thinking like God thinks, because as Lisa said before, too, we have the mind of Christ. We already have the perfect wisdom of Christ on the inside but we need to transfer that knowledge to our physical brains or our physical minds and this is where the, the power of confession comes in. In Romans, I'm just reinforcing to you that this is a biblical concept and this is what we must do. In Romans it says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the word of faith which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in his salvation. You actually haven't believed until you've spoken because there is no faith without confession. Joshua 1 verse 8 says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. So that involves speaking. It can't just be in there and stay there. It means speaking. But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful not to do so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and you will achieve success. And meditate here in the Hebrew means to give deep thought to, to mutter or to murmur to oneself. So, you know, sometimes we talk to ourselves, so we go... oh, It means to do the good things. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you hear here for me. Thank you that, you that you love me. Thank you. Not meditating when you drop something or do something silly. Ah, oh, stupid, which we've all done. <laughs> so faith comes, from, um, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Hebrews 10, 23 says, let's hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So to say hold firmly means that it can be snatched away. Satan will try to steal our confession by putting wrong thoughts, negative thoughts in our mind, hoping that those thoughts will produce wrong words coming out of our mouth. Words have power. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. That's from Proverbs 18, verse 21. So we have the ability with our words to bring life to a dead situation or death to a live situation. So the question we need to ask yourself every day is are we in agreement with the words that God is speaking or are we speaking in agreement with Satan? Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have placed before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. So let's go further to see how important confession is because of the principle of sowing and reaping. A man's belly shall be satisfied satisfied with the fruit of his mouth and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. The words we speak produce fruit and there is an increase or harvest from the words that come out of our mouths. We will eat every word we speak, positive or negative, with increase or interest. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? And pretty scary at the same time. (laughs) Galatians 6, 7-9 says, For whatever a man sows, that and only that is what he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap corruption from the flesh, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So we must not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at at the proper time if we don't give up. And that's a big part of my story, which you'll hear later. So this is the principle of sowing and reaping and it's one of the most important principles in the word. It's absolute law that works, whether or not you believe it. It's the law of sowing and reaping. So in Mark 4, we've got three parables. Now, I'm not going to read all through because Mark 4 is quite a long, long chapter, but I'll just say it in short. And the first of these parables is the story of the sower. And we know that the seeds were scattered in different places on a a path, on rocky ground, among thorns and in good soil. And the condition of the soil determined whether the seed would grow and how lasting or how fruitful the growth would be. So the seed is the word of God and the ground is our hearts. And our hearts were created by God to grow fruit when his word is planted in them. And the condition of our hearts will determine the fruit. So we want to have good soil in our heart that hears God's word, accepts it and bears fruit. We don't want to have the soil where Satan steals the word of God and then we let it fall away. Or trials come and we let the worries of the world choke the word of God. We have an incorruptible seed in us when we're born again. 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The word of God is incorruptible. When we receive it in our hearts, it produces God's nature in us, life, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, health, vision, faith. And natural seeds sometimes rot and don't produce life, but God's word is incorruptible. There is no date that it expires, the words that the Lord spoke to people thousands of years ago that we read now are still alive and active and will produce miracles in our lives if we mix those words with faith and don't let Satan steal them. It says in Hebrews 4, verse 1 to 3, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. He was talking about the Israelites in Egypt and in the desert, sorry. But the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So we have to mix our words with faith. So you have God's imperishable seed in you. God's word has all the power and all that power will be released when you believe it and confess it. And God used the comparison of his word to the law of nature that's unchangeable, the law of seed time and harvest. It can't be violated and neither can God's word. In the second parable of Mark 4, God talks about the kingdom. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. He goes to bed at night and gets up daily, and the seed sprouts and grows. How, he he himself does not know. The soil produces crop by itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. And now when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So we don't have to fully understand the process of how God's word produces fruit in us. All we have to do is to sow it in our hearts and nurture it with confession and faith and fruit will grow. Jesus said in John 15 verse 7, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And remaining means keep it in there. And it may take time as there are processes or stages in growth. Because remember, it's first the stalk, then the head, then the grain. But sometimes what happens, some people put God's word in their hearts for a day or two. But if they don't see fruit immediately, they dig up the seed and their wow. words and actions and wonder why it didn't work. So you put a word of God in you that, thank you, God, that I'm, that you've healed me, that these symptoms are gone in Jesus' name. Yes. And in two or three days, the symptoms are still there. So, that oh, well, it's probably not God's will to heal me then. I... Those words didn't work. It's like digging up a seed. But when you plant a natural seed, you're not going to plant the seed and then dig it up after a day and say, has it germinated yet? Is it yeah. growing yet? No, you're going to leave it there. You're going to let it remain there in the ground for quite a while before you're actually going to start to see, uh, to see a sprout or to see things grow. Sometimes we think that God isn't doing, doing anything but sometimes God's waiting on us to believe and confess his word. We can see a promise and hear a promise, but God wants us to confess that promise, believe that promise, speak that promise out. God's word never fails. It's eternal, and not one promise will fall to the ground. But for it to work, we have to accept it and believe it and nurture it with our confession. I have the attitude that, if we're praying and confessing God's promise over our lives and we don't see things happening straight away, it's because God's assembling things in the heavenlies for us. And there are spiritual dynamics that have to take place for the answer to manifest and to see God's best come, to, best come in our lives. And those spiritual dynamics include our confession. So by, by confessing, we give God a powerful framework to work upon. So if you can imagine a framework that you've built through confession that gives God something to build on as he's assembling things in the heavenlies for your answer to come. And the last parable, Jesus says, How shall we picture the kingdom of God? Or by what what parable shall we present it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the soil, though it is the smallest of all the seeds that are upon the soil, yet when it is grown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches, with the result that the birds of the sky can nest under its shade. So sowing and reaping is a principle that we can't ignore, and this is how the kingdom This is how our lives are transformed, our minds renewed, our bodies healed but this is how the kingdom is expanded over the face of the earth and that's why I've come to believe in victorious eschatology. The kingdom of God must continue to grow. Nothing can stop it. Amongst all the chaos and corruption in the world, God is going to cause his kingdom to grow. God is always winning. And I heard these statistics from Harold Herberle, and you'll really love this, Andrew. He's a teaching evangelist, and this was from five years ago. In China, 29,000 people are saved every day. In Africa, 20,000 people are saved every day. In South America, 35,000 people are saved every day. In the Muslim world. Oh, no, that's in South America. And in the Muslim world, half a million every month. And this will continue because Jesus is sitting on the throne and his kingdom is expanding. So we're not going to hide and wait. We're just allowing God's kingdom to expand in us so that it overflows out of us into the world. Out of the abundance of of the mouth, the heart speaks. So what's in our heart? Are we speaking the kingdom of God? Are we speaking his promises? Are we speaking his truth? Or are we agreeing with what Satan is saying in our lives? And remember, God does not see you as you are now. He sees you as you will be after the seed of his word grows and flourishes in you. God calls things that are not as though they are until they are. (laughs) And this is why our confessions are so important. In Romans we read, um, God is talking about or Paul is talking about Abraham and he says because God called him the father of many nations in the presence of him who believed even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist in hope against hope he believed so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. And Abraham being fully assured that God would deliver the promise. He had great faith in that. So God's word to Abraham was you are the father of nations. Now at that time he wasn't the father of nations. But he changed his name from Abram to Abraham which meant the father of nations. So whenever Abraham said I am Abraham he was confessing I am the father of nations. Even though he hadn't seen that come to fruition yet. God sent an angel to Zacharias to tell him that his prayers were answered and he was going to have a child. That was a seed of a promise. He was calling in something that didn't yet exist. But Zacharias said, instead of Abraham having strong faith, Zacharias said, how do I know you're telling the truth? You'll have to give me a sign. And so Zacharias doubted what God said to him, so he stopped Zacharias from talking for nine months. So he wouldn't dig up the seed. It's a big difference. And then we have Gideon. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And at the time, Gideon was hiding in a winepress from the Midianites. So I don't think he was thinking of himself as a mighty man of valor. But God was calling him what he saw him that he was going to be. And that's what he calls us today. Our prophetic words tell us how God sees us. Some of us, and all of us, I'm sure, have had words where people really encourage us in what God's got for us and how God sees us and who we're going to be. And it's really important that we confess those words over our lives. So the God's truth over our life comes wow. comes our reality. So as I said earlier, I know the confession, the power of confession, because I've experienced it in my life. My, in my own life. It's a huge part of my testimony and what God has done in my life and no one can take that away from me. Sometimes here I just feel like saying, I'm Jenny Tromp and this is my story. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, that line, like that line from the castle. I'm Daryl Kerrigan, that's my story. <laughs> In 2013, the Holy Spirit started me on a journey of of, of exposing the lies that I was believing, which I talked about in my last message, and building a strong foundation of God's grace and righteousness in my life and the finished work of Jesus on the cross. So I began to see my true identity in God and that he was always kind and loving and intimate. And I learned about authority as a believer and how my choice of words and actions affected my ability to stand against Satan. So God's word was in my heart and I was watering it through confession and I was walking by faith. Confessions were the building blocks of my faith. Excuse me, I just have to drink water. I'll just have a pause. So, sometimes when I'm walking, I'm listening to Bill Johnson, you walk along and all of a sudden there's, it stops and you think, oh, he stopped. No, he's just pausing. Just having a pause. <laughs> so so John and um, yeah so I would confess all these wonderful things over my life and you know I'm the righteousness of Christ I'm chosen by God I have favour with God he thinks about me constantly I'm an heir in Christ blessed with every spiritual blessing and I even wrote myself a song I won't sing it but I used to no 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 no. no you won't want me to sing it I used to sing, I, I made up this song and it's called Make Way for Queen Jenny. Now I don't know if you remember Aladdin when make they sing make way for King Ali, Prince Ali. Yes. So I made this song, I won't, but I'll just sing a, a, say a couple of verses because Dean will be very embarrassed if I sang it. Oh. <laughs> And I wrote, she walks in love and she walks in honour. Jesus in her brings favour upon her. You can't deny the kingdom power she brings. The enemy flees when her shadow passes. All of the angels sing. Queen Jenny, precious is she, she's the king's daughter. Of great worth, known before birth, he loves her so. Don't try and get in her way. Her power in hers on, His power in hers on display. She walks in authority, Queen Jenny. Come on. Now, I would not normally have sung this song coming from the background that I did because that just sounds very boastful and very, um, you know, up yourself. But but it's very true and I can say that now in all honesty and all humility that that's how God sees me and that's how he sees all of you as well. And praise the Lord with that. And John and I and our family we were all on that journey and we still are, and we're always careful about how we speak about our circumstances and we always try to make sure that our words agree with what God is saying. Because Dean lived with us for such a long time, if I said something like, ah, oh, drop something say, Oh, you stupid Jenny, Dean would say, Mum, you can't say that. Or if I if Dean was around Lee was around and I would say something that was negative, Lee would go, I rebuke those words in Jesus' name. <laughs> So <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so, in March 2017, I was in a good place. I was saying that I felt like I had my whole life ahead of me, which I do. And my best years were still ahead of me because I had discovered the truth of God's word. But I was very fatigued and at the time a friend said, you should go to the doctor and get a blood test, which I did and I was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia, which was a real shock at that time, especially because I thought, what? I can't have this. Like, it it was a a big deal, because in the natural, the prognosis can be quite gloomy. And, um, And I remember we had to go to the doctor and pick up forms and everything, and on the way to the hospital, I remember that song and I've, I've shared that before. Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. Yes. And because I had, had confessed so much over my life of who I was in God and had done a lot of a study on um, healing um, and, and learnt that God wants us well, I just had this peace that passes understanding that I was going to be okay. I knew beyond, beyond a doubt that God had wanted me well. I was a daughter of the King. He loved me and I had a prophetic word. In 2016, um, someone who's coming in November here actually, Adam Thompson, he's coming in November, it's gonna be very exciting, and he's a dream interpreter, but he also gave me a word, and part of the word was, God's gonna heal your body, and at the time, I wasn't sick, so I thought, oh, that's interesting, and you're gonna be, he said, "I can see some Jewish desks, and I can see the row going. Can see them going on for a really long time into the distance. So you're going to be teaching for a very long time." So I hung on to those words. Yeah, if I've been diagnosed with acute, acute myeloid leukemia, I am going to survive because I have a God who heals, and I have a God who has given me hope in a future, and I've had prophetic words to show that I'm going to be well. And I just want to say too that we shouldn't wait till there's a problem or trial to start sowing seeds and confessing God's truth because there is a time between um, planting and harvest. And so you want to make sure that you're reaping a harvest all the time. So when trials come, you you can manage it, you can speak into it, you can trust God in it. So I had that scripture that came to my mind, and it's honestly true for me. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God was so gracious and kind to me to give me that supernatural peace that sustained me and my family through the whole ordeal. And the emergency nurse, in the room must have felt something coming from me because she said to me, I want to know what happens to you. Because she was looking at me curiously and I was, had this peace around me. And I can't explain it, it's a supernatural peace and it was, it was all God. So I went through a difficult time with three rounds of chemo and, but I had the, the peace to go through it and I was in what they say complete remission but I'd rather say cancer free because when you say remission, they're talking about it can, it, it can come back, you know so it was still a difficult time and I always had to bully back the fear because fear will, will try and get you yeah. Satan will try and yeah bring fear like I never looked up AML I didn't look up what it was all about I didn't look up the prognosis I didn't look up anything about it because I didn't want Satan's words to override what I knew God was saying to me so good. I didn't want to give fear power Um, A song at the time that really helped me through was that one by Darlene Cech. It was a victory song. And uh, and I sang it over myself. I had the words in my bathroom so that I would see it all the time. And um, God is fighting for us. God is on our side. He is overcome. We will not be shaken. We will not be moved. Jesus, you are here. Like I kept reading those words all the time. He's pushing back the darkness. He's lighting up the kingdom. And you need to have scripture in front of you for you, to, you need to see things as well to be able to build your faith. That's great. Um, so in September, that was in March, in September that year, the decision was made that I, with the, the best thing would be for me to have a bone marrow transplant. I was diagnosed with a mutation which makes the leukemia more aggressive and increases the chance of its of it returning in the natural, in the natural, not in the spiritual, in the natural and the haematologist said that the bone marrow transplant was the best course of action for me. There were risks involved but I had a word from God so I knew I was going to live but I didn't get a word not to do the chemo or the bone marrow transplant and some people may question that but that's my faith journey and everyone is different. So I continued to confess in my spirit and in my spirit I was at peace and trusting God all the way. But my body was going through a really tough time and I wasn't denying what was happening to my body but I was confessing God's promises to me and that I was healed, whole and restored. And I had every opportunity, as we all do when tough times come, to feel like a victim. I had this, what you call a Hickman, in for a year, so it was a port into your chest, and I had two tubes hanging down. So for a year, every time I'd have a shower, I'd see these tubes hanging down, which make you feel like a victim, make you feel like a bit of an alien, having that. Um, After the bone marrow transplant, I couldn't eat very well, so I was on a feeding tube. I lost, I went down to 48 kilos. I had no hair, which is normal for that sort of thing. But at my lowest point, when I couldn't read or write or listen to music anymore because my body just couldn't handle it because of the tension and anxiety, I would just whisper the 23rd Psalm because I'd memorised it. So I would just say it over and over again. But remember, my body was tense and anxious and was going through a really difficult time. But in my spirit, I still had the peace that passes understanding. So I I never let go of God's promises in my life. So going in and out and back and forth to hospital for 80 months, your focus is challenged. Because you're constantly inundated with the facts about sickness and what's going on. And you've got people around you who are sick. So you really have to push back those feelings of being a victim. And this is what I encourage everyone to do when you're going through anything, is never identify with what you're going through. Like, never say, Never take ownership of it. Refuse to confess that sickness is yours. It's not yours. I really um, get upset when people say, my cancer, because it's not your cancer. Like, when I was in hospital, we would get um, questionnaires, and the first question was, how are you dealing with your cancer? And I would say, well, firstly, it's not my cancer. It doesn't belong in my body. It's in here illegally and it has to go in Jesus' name. But aside from that... <laughs> <laughs> so the cross has changed everything. It's given us security in our, in our identity in God and his nature and goodness. We're defined by his, his promises, shaped by his words. And you might wanna look this song up because it's a song that became my anthem for me in my recovery, and it was I Am No Victim by Christine DiMarco. And it says, I am no victim, I live with a vision. I'm covered by the force of love, covered in my Saviour's blood. I'm no orphan, I'm not a poor, poor man. The kingdom's now become my own, and with the king I found a home. He's not just reviving, he's not simply restoring. Greater things have yet to come. And I hang on to those words. He is my father. I do not wonder if his plans for me are good, if he'll come through like he, sh- like he should, because he is provision and enough wisdom to usher in my brightest days. Sorry. <laughs> to turn my mourning into praise. Yep, sorry. Those words still get me because it's such a, a powerful song and I w- would really encourage you all, if you haven't heard it, to, to get it on Spotify. I am no victim. I just want to read to you Mark eleven twenty two because this is something that really um, encouraged me as well. Jesus answered and said to them, "'Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, "'whoever says to this mountain, "'Be removed and be cast into the sea, "'and does not doubt in his heart, "'but believes that those things he says will be done, "'he will have whatever he says. "'Therefore I say to you, "'whatever things you ask when you pray, "'believe that you receive them and you will.'" So when I faced AML, that mountain, it needed to hear my voice. That mountain needed to hear my voice. And whatever mountain that you're facing today, that mountain needs to hear your voice. And notice it says, whoever shall say, your mouth has to move. Sometimes we sit there we're feeling so down or whatever and we're just inside we're thinking I oh, know you're going to help me God and whatever but we need to say it out loud. We need to say his promises out loud because we're the ones that hear our voice as well. So our own speaking encourages us. While people pray for us which is amazing. I had so many wonderful people come and pray for me and encourage me and, and, and I always made sure that, that I surrounded myself by faith-filled people. My family were faith-filled. Um, I. I didn't talk about the AML a lot with other people because I only wanted to talk about it with people who I knew were faith-filled and who were going to encourage me. Yeah. So when we confess God's truth, as I said earlier, it gives God a powerful framework to build upon as he assembles things in the heavenlies for us. And sometimes it takes time. The recovery took time, although quicker than they expected it would. But God needs our words to agree with him and to accomplish his will on earth and in our life. He needs our confession to agree with him. And on the flip side, the devil needs our negative words to agree with him. So we have to be so careful what we say. Now I'm not saying, you know, you've got to be so... You can't say anything. Of course you can. (laughs) Look, I used to be someone who vented a lot to family and friends about things going on in my life that I wasn't happy about. it's hard to believe isn't it but I used to I used to to vent, complain, criticise about betrayals, relationships, finances, unfair circumstances but we're made in God's image and his likeness and he spoke the world into being so doesn't it make sense that some of our problems exist because of unhelpful conversations continuous complaining and negative confessions that give our problems influence, power and strength. It's not that you don't talk about them because you can't live in denial because denial isn't a solution. But I heard Bill Johnson give this really fantastic quote. He said, I try to make it a practice in my own life to not talk about a problem with anyone who is not a part of the redemptive solution. And I think that's really wise counsel because of course we need help. Of course we need to talk about our problems with, with people and get help. But complaining and criticising and just talking and, and ranting for the sake of it because I'm just so sick of all of this and da-da-da-da is not helping our problem. And it's only giving it power and influence. So, I'm coming to the end. <laughs> So it's again, it's not denying that there's an issue or a problem but you look at it from heaven's perspective. If you're sick you don't deny that you are sick but I honestly try not to say I'm sick or I've got a cold or my cold's not getting better. I say I'm battling a cold at the moment, I'm battling a sickness at the moment, I'm battling something. Um, sometimes I get it wrong and, and people even correct me. But It's important that we don't take ownership of the illness or the financial situation or the the bad relationship or whatever's going on, that we see it as something that, that God can deal with and we don't take ownership of it, especially sickness. If I'm battling a sickness, I confess I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm healed, whole and restored. And that became my mantra. I'm healed, whole and restored in Jesus' name. And even when I would see symptoms arising, I would just speak to those symptoms and say, you do not belong in my body. You are not supposed to be here. You're here illegally. I'm healed, whole and restored in Jesus' name. I'm calling my body well and healthy. I'm not denying the sickness, but I'm denying its right to exist in my body. Yeah. I'm calling for health and healing in my body to manifest because Jesus brought my healing at the cross. Now the haematologist wasn't always positive about future outcomes but I saw myself healed, whole and restored. I saw myself playing with the grandkids. I saw myself looking after them and I saw myself teaching in the future. And I saw myself at my grandkids' weddings. I imagined their weddings and I saw myself there. I had a vision for the future with John and my family. Psalm 2.1 says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The Hebrew word that was translated imagine in this verse is hagar, H-A-G-A-H. And that's the same word that was translated meditate in Psalm 1 verse 2 that I read earlier. He who meditates on the word of God. You cannot meditate without imagination. If I said to you, there's a dog in your yard and it's black and white and its tail's wagging and its tongue's hanging out. You've all imagined that in your head already. You can't meditate without imag- imagination. Meditation is taking words and pondering them until a picture forms. Then that picture you see on the inside would dictate what you see on the outside. It's, it's not a name or claimant it thing. It's, it's imagining the promises of God at work in your life. He's given you those promises, you have to imagine them at work in your life. And in all of this, we're not trying to force the hand of God. It's not a self-serving tool to get God to do what we want. It's a faith-building tool to help us receive what he's already given us and promised us. We're speaking to the mountain, we are facing, we're speaking to the mountain that we're facing and we're confessing what God has given us already in his word. So I always said to the doctor that I have faith in God and believe in miracles. And my recovery, although brutal, was quicker than they expected, six months. Everything was stable again after six months and I felt strong. And at the end of 2022, the haematologist rang me in one of those telehealth calls because you couldn't go in because of COVID. And um, he said to me, I don't think it's coming back. And I said to him, I know it's not coming back, but thank you for confirming that. So I was, yeah. I was confessing from the inheritance that we know that we have in Jesus. So confession is reprogramming your mind and your attitudes to see the promises of God in your life and nothing else. When, and we're not waiting for our emos- our emotions to feel like confessing, because I know when circumstances are screaming at you, it's hard to confess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But. We have to do the opposite of what the enemy is throwing at us. Because everything the enemy says to us, we have to say the opposite. You're really sick today. I'm healed, whole and restored in Jesus' name. You are really poor and you're going to stay poor. I am, have the abundance of God in my life and he prospers me. So rather than speaking from what we see in the natural realm, we speak from the spiritual realm, from God's word and his promises until it comes alive in us, until faith and hope flourish and until we reap a harvest. We don't give up. There is seed time and there is planting time and there is growth time and there is harvest. And don't give up in the middle because sometimes it can take a while but don't give up in the middle because God will always... Be true to his word. His promises never fail. Not one of his words will fall to the ground. The word of God is our lifeline. Everything you need today is in the word of God. Everything. There's a promise in God's word for whatever you need right now. Hope is in the word of God. Joy is in the word of God. Peace is in the word of God. Faith, longing, acceptance, trauma healing is in the word of God. Relationship healing is in the word of God. Everything you need is in the word of God. Your victory is in the word of God. I confess it. I believe it. I've experienced it. And I know it's true. And that's my story. Thank you.